Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today we have an amazing guest, but first, let's hear it from our sponsor. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today, we have a special guest, Nicole Sherry from the Baltimore Orioles. Welcome, Sherry. Sorry, Nicole. Nicole. Yeah, Nicole. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Everybody says that all the time. And then sometimes I get called Michelle. So I have no idea where that comes from. My neighbor's <laughs> name Sherry. So it, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's easy. It's fine. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm really glad to have you on. I've always followed, I followed your work for a long time. Thank you. Um, well, first give everybody an introduction of yourself uh, and then break down your turf career. If you don't mind. Yeah. So I'm Nicole Sherry. I am the director of field operations for the Baltimore Orioles uh, at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And I've been the head groundskeeper there since 2007 and going into my 16th season with the Orioles. And prior to that, I was in a, uh, a head groundskeeper for the Trenton Thunder, which is a double A minor league affiliate of the New York Yankees for three seasons. And then previous to that, I was an assistant head groundskeeper with the Orioles. And then way before that, I was an intern with the Orioles. Yeah, that's uh, a long time in baseball. That, that's right. <laughs> 20 years this year. Total. That's, yeah, well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, do you, did you do any turf training, like any at school or certificate or anything? Oh, like that? yeah. Yeah, so um, I have my two-year degree in agricultural sciences from Delaware Technical College in Georgetown, Delaware, and that's where I had the main focus of my turf degree. Um, uh, had horticulture, irrigation, turf grass management, and then I got my uh, bachelor's of science degree from the University of Delaware in agriculture. They didn't have a turf grass uh, program, but definitely had a lot of classes related to turf management as well as the ag industry. Okay. Interesting. Uh, who got you into turf? What, what made you want to get into turf? Well, first I, I played softball at uh, Delaware technical college and, you know, I was going through the class. Well, I always knew that I wanted to be in agriculture in some 
way or another, somewhere outside, working with plants, working with landscapes. And the best, um, the best way to kind of dabble into that career was to go to um, Delaware Tech and see if that's the right path for me. Well, there I studied it and was, had more classes about turf management. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. I could do this. And, you know, at first I didn't know that you could get a career in sports turf. I thought that it was just all geared to either horticultural side of it, landscaping or golf course management. And that's where I kind of got my foot in the door. I, I was working at a a golf course called um, Bear Trap Dunes Golf Club in Ocean View, Delaware, and got my experience in grounds maintenance there. Came home and my dad was watching the Phillies playing in Atlanta. And back then the Philadelphia Phillies had an artificial turf field. So I wasn't really exposed to the natural grass surfaces like we see today. They were playing in Atlanta, which had a natural turf field. And, you know, I was like, oh, I could, I know how they got those stripes in the grass and kind of went from there. And, and prior to that, we had an irrigation class and we took a field trip to Camden Yards. And I got the head groundskeeper at the Times head um, business card. And I had it in my drawer still for two years later when I was working on the golf course and seeing that game on TV and just kind of randomly cold called him asked if there were any internship available, uh, internships available for the next season. And he's like, well, we do have a spot open. Can you be here in two weeks? <laughs> and so it just kind of like by fate, I think just happened so fast. And I, I turned in my two weeks notice at the golf clubs. I'm going to try to pursue sports surf. And I fell in love with it. I love the game of baseball. I love working outside, working with grass and, and learning everything about it. And, and that's where it kind of like took off. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Big change from golf to sports turf for sure. It um, is. I got tired of uh, following this guy around that was uh, raking bunkers. <laughs> so I was like, I need, I need something more and, and not, you know, disrespecting the golf industry. But like when you're just on the crew, you know, you don't really get to do all the really cool stuff until you earn your stripes a bit. And I was still just a baby in the field. So, yeah, I understand. Um, give everybody a breakdown of like your position, like what your, what it entails. So I'm responsible for uh, the playability of the surface at Camden Yards. Um, I direct um, and oversee 30, a 30 person crew on a daily basis when the team is in town. When the team is out of town, I have um, a crew of eight, eight of us that are just, you know, doing all the agronomic practices on the field to maintain the health and safety for the players. Okay. And like on a game day, uh, you're still very hands-on, correct? I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit through that. On, on game days, you're still very hands-on. Oh, yes, absolutely. From game days, you know, usually when the team's in town, we work from 9 o'clock in the morning until about an hour and a half after every game, and that could entail a 10- to 12-hour day. Um, we'll start off our day doing uh, cutting the grass in two different directions, working on our infield skin, um, which is also called the infield dirt, uh, the mound and plate maintenance, bullpen maintenance. We have indoor tunnels that we take care of um, and just getting that field in shape for um, practice, which starts at around two o'clock on a daily basis. 
them breaking down practice, getting the dirt kind of reset for the game. We'll, we'll get ready for batting practice. And then when that's over, we'll break down batting practice and get everything set up for the game. Um, you know, putting down the lines, uh, getting the bases all set, getting the infield dirt groomed and ready for play. After, during the game, we'll be there just to monitor any type of weather situations that may occur throughout the game. And then I'm very uh, active in helping make those decisions to whether pull out a tarp if needed to cover the surface for playability reasons or to try to play through the game. If it's a light rain enough that we can manage the game throughout um, that rain event. And then after the game, we'll get everything back in shape and pretty much put it back together from where the athletes tore it up um, and get ready for the next day. Let's take us a break and hear from our sponsor. Agstone is focused on providing its customers with more than just a great product. Offering a surprisingly affordable full course wedding agent that is 98% biodegradable, reduces LDS, increases nitrogen uptake, and has no burn potential. One chemistry, multiple benefits. Agstone stays with you every step of the way, helping analyze and maximize potential through our products, technical knowledge, and customer support. To get more information, visit www.ag-stone.com, www.ag-stone.com, or email sales at agstone.com and ag-stone.com. We are back, um, and we were talking about game day, but... If I want, I have a question. If you had a warning label, what would yours say? On myself? Yeah, if you had a warning label, just like a, like just like chemicals have a warning label. <laughs> oh. Uh, if you had to give yourself a warning label, what what would yours be? Jeez, oh, oh man, no approach with caution. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what you're getting into. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that's always a. That's always a. Most people are caught off guard with that question, but yeah. most turf people, that's what it is. Like when it, when the, when the top pops don't be around here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is something interesting that I don't know much about, but I want to know more about. And I, we had this previous to us having this podcast, we have been in contact and you mentioned STEM. And then ever since you said that, it's popped up on the TV. I saw it for the new NASCAR race and them having the Boys and Girls Club and STEM. And so, yeah. or STEM, however, however it's pronounced. But it, I want to know what that is, how you're involved, and what it does. Um, well, now, well, so STEM, STEM has been around for the last like five years or so, maybe even longer, but it has just made like, you know, waves in the, in the recent past. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And it's just a way to like, you know, shorten those um, studies uh, so that it's more attractive for youth, you know, like uh, my involvement with STEM started probably about like six, seven years ago when I started doing career days for, um, you know, local elementary students to come visit Camden Yards. And I really just wanted to 
um, engage them and to explain to them like what we do as uh, professional groundskeepers. Like what is it that we really take care of? A lot of people assume that we're just out there raking dirt, cutting grass and fun mowing patterns, but like the, the science behind how we get those fields as high-end and as, um, as playable as possible by utilizing the sciences of turf grass and agriculture and horticulture. So that's, that's where I, I started doing the career days, started doing uh, class field trips, talking to the students about um, you know, what we do as a, on a daily basis, that it's more than just baseball, there's more than just groundskeeping to what you see. There's a lot of science and we utilize everything from meteorology, entomology, um, mathematics, um, science of how the grass grows in our everyday lives, providing the surface for the athletes. Um, so the Orioles and I have partnered, um, well, you know, I've partnered with them or they work collaboratively with me to help educate the youth of Baltimore um, and surrounding counties into what turf grass really is. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I saw a couple of commercials for it and that's I hadn't heard about it until you had mentioned something. So then I started seeing commercials and they had like some of the boys and girls club and it had, you know, that attached to it. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be perfect. So I'm going to be able to learn more about it. Well, that's, that's really yeah. cool. And it's neat to see them do that in, in certain areas where maybe those kind of career fields wouldn't be magnified. Right. Well, it's not like, like I come from a rural, I come from rural North Carolina. So right. anything agriculture is extremely magnified here anyway. So right. it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, buying tobacco, be, being in, you know, from that to grading potatoes, to grading corn, to, you know, anything from a farm hand, you know, those things are magnified and being near right. the coast, anything marine biology, you know, I'm close to the coast. So any, all those things are magnified, but some things aren't that obviously would pique you know people's interest so that's yeah it's really cool to see that that kind of organization doing things like that it's um, um it's been really fun because like a lot of the a lot of the people that we talk to you know are are in are in the inner city and like for me i grew up in in kind of a urban setting and farming was you know really far away from where i grew up and just the exposure to it you know, is, is pretty powerful. Like you go to people like the classrooms and like some of these kids have never seen turf like that before. And they never understood that, wow, grass can grow in sand and like what it takes to like, you know, we keep it simple. They're, they're children, but like it really starts piquing their interests. And I, I think it just exposes the industry, exposes the trade and, you know, to get it in front of people that normally don't get to see the type of grass that we grow on a daily basis is, is huge it's very beneficial for the industry because believe it or not, people don't believe it, but the industry is fast growing very fast, yes. almost so fast that it can't keep up. I mean, right. it's, this industry is just exploded anyway. So yeah, that's good yeah. to see. Um, what are some of your position challenges, some challenges you face in your position, like on a daily basis, like what would you say it is other than weather? Oh gosh, other than weather, um, just uh, communication, communication with the different parties involved in the organization to, you know, we're, it's a revenue generating uh, right. facility that we're, we're hosting. 
but there also has to be a fine line between like, okay, well, how much revenue can you bring in the benefits club, but then all the demands that you're putting on, um, you know, your turf team to maintain this facility. So trying to find the, the right communication on how to express like, hey, you know, we're like, again, like I said, in the earlier part of the podcast, we're not just here to grow, you know, cut grass, we, we do other things that ensure the safety for the athletes that play here and communicating that with different levels of um, people in our organization and the, and the community is pretty, a pretty challenging thing, you know, because you have mm-hmm. to kind of like start educating you're an educator and a leader at the same time. And you also have to understand like the club really needs to bring in revenue. So you have to have that fine balance between like, all right, this is a need, but you know, let me counter that with a need that our turf team needs. And I think what a lot of people don't understand being a professional sports turf manager is also an event coordinator as well, because it's correct concerts and that stuff is it's, it's crazy. I mean, it, it is. And it all it is, but it's it's needed, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like you try to find that balance. And like when you have a 10 game homestand and then you want to have a concert the next week, it's like, all right, you're trying to just kind of like shift from one situation to another. And how do you manage the turf throughout all that, you know, chaoticness? And mm-hmm. hopefully it will be shift back into a great playing surface for when the team comes back. It's it's one of the most challenging things that I, I wish that I had more of a um, more communication experience, you know, on how to relay the message and the passion that I have um, concretely and concise, but also um, I, w- I would love to have more of a better business sense of what these, these side events actually bring into the club. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I definitely understand that. And even from a logistical standpoint, I mean, we we seem to learn, uh, I think that needs to be a class at some of the universities it needs to be a le- uh, how to delegate things from a logistical standpoint for, mm-hmm. for anybody involved in sports turf for sure, because there's always things like that going on. Uh, yeah. What's the best turf grass advice you've ever been given? Um, when in doubt water, <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it, water can be a detriment as well you know, and I'm not taken away from that, but like, you know, there were so many times earlier in my career where I just wasn't like, I, I was too afraid. Oh, I don't know. You're in a situation where like you're maintaining this grass and it's 110 degrees outside. It doesn't look like it's stressing, but like I'm hot. Everything else is really like suffering around us. Like, do I cool that grass off or do I, you know, stand back and like, you know, keep stressing it? more and more until it's at its breaking point so you know at the end of the day you know when in doubt you know just water it and and hope for the best you know you're you're never going to put too as a me in this position i'm never going to put too much on it that's going to like you know result in any death it's just when you're in that situation where you're like do i don't i you know when in doubt yeah figure it out (laughs) um what are some of your passions outside your job um, again, uh, working with kids and educating them in like the STEM industry. Um, I love landscaping and plants, so I really do enjoy that. And I love baseball. Uh, my son and I will go up to the park and I'll hit him like 50 million baseballs in a day. <laughs> um, anything related to water. And we really got into fishing over the last four years. So definitely love that. Saltwater or freshwater? 
fresh water because I'm not near the salt water anymore, okay. but um, have gone um, shore fishing many times. I got you. Um, importance of continuing education and staying informed, use of apps, technology. What What's, what's your opinion on like, excuse me, the SFMA, those types of things, the conferences, the education, the continuing education. I mean, do you utilize those things? And from a manager standpoint, say you're talking to students, what would your, what would your opinion on the importance of those things be? I think they're very important to be involved in like any, any chapter organization in your local state or community um, is really good to be involved in. Even if you don't participate all the time, you know that you have a resource there, whether it's networking, calling your counterpart, calling somebody that may have the same kind of situation or deal with the same problems or concerns that you may have. Um, the networking side of it is huge in our industry because nobody really, like I said, nobody really gets what we do except for the, the person that's doing it alongside of you. So having those different networks of um, people you can reach out to are very important. Also, the education standpoint that you get from conferences or national seminars um, or national conferences, the seminars are really important because there are so many new innovative ideas or techniques that people bring to the table that maybe you weren't exposed to. And you can try to take that home and, and figure that one out. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you, are you using any of the new technology like on your fields, like the new soil moisture and the temperature, do you use any of those things? Yeah. Well, we always were doing like data reads, like where we would just put a, a soil thermometer in the soil, take a data tests and just implementing um, that into our uh, normal routine. Uh, recently we have a TDR. So we've been able to get that all in one on their TDR, um, you know, the app that's, uh, associated with that. Um, the weather apps are just phenomenal nowadays um, versus just watching the weather channel or trying to figure out uh, the NOAA.gov um, forecast discussions. Um, there are a lot of things that the only, the, I think we have a meeting tomorrow to talk about drone technology, which is going to be really cool to see um, if that's going to be something that we could use in our ballpark to yeah, test that. any like heat or um, I don't know what they're going to show us, but it's going to be pretty neat. Yeah, the, it's crazy what those things can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we utilize, we take a lot of the things that we're, um, you know, that we see at conferences and trade shows and and think about how it could work in, in our ballpark. Okay, I know you have a great turf story you want to share, something funny, something that happened, even an embarrassing moment. Whether it For was for yeah, something that yeah. I know something's happened in your yeah. career. A lot has happened in my career. Uh, <laughs> some that, uh, you know, I'm going to write a memoir after I retire from this industry. But um, I think the, the worst, uh, it was great. So I just gotten the job with the Trenton Thunder and um, the opening day, I think we had, it was my first homestand as a head groundskeeper with the Trenton Thunder. And I inherited an assistant. So the person that was there, they were there, you know, a year or two before. And, you know, it was great because it was like, great. I have a, a somebody that's been here that can help me along with this journey. Um, so we were, I don't know what happened to my computer. So now let's, let's restart later. Um, 
So at the end of the day, we put the tarp on the field because they were calling for a rain situation uh, overnight and into the day the next day. And we had a day game. Well, I asked uh, the, my assistant, I was like, hey, can you make sure the irrigation box is turned off? And so he was like, oh yeah, sure. So I had no, no doubts or anything. So like the next day comes and we have called all the front office down to help pull the tarp off the field. It's about eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, the guy next to me, Matt Pintima, he was like, hey, why, why is it so wet underneath the tarp? And I was just like, oh, well, we're only crossing over first base side at this moment in time. So I was just like, ah, it's probably just like the humidity that like, you know, generated under the tarp um, overnight. It was like a cool, um, cool April day. And we keep going and we get to the infield and then all of a sudden everybody starts sinking down like three inches into the infield skin. And I'm like, oh my God. So the irrigation ended up running under the tarp overnight. And oh we, yeah, it was like, you know, you don't even understand. Like I just got this position as head groundskeeper with this team. And now we're going to lose a game, which is like, you know, the, the worst thing that any groundskeeper can ever go through. And I, I, I thought I was going to get fired that day. And it was just, you know, I asked, I said, you know, did you turn off the irrigation? He's like, oh yeah, I did something. <laughs> I never followed up or I never, you know, went behind him because you're hoping to, you know, build that trust in your employees. But uh, that was probably the, one of the worst day days in my career that I had to go through. And, and not only are you trying to work hard to get that game on time, but you're also trying to like save your ass <laughs> with, the general manager of the team and trying to communicate and you know he wanted me to fire the assistant and I just I did not want to do that I was like it was my fault I should have backed him up you know went behind him and check you know it was just a whole management learning thing that I had to go through that was like terrifying um you're in like I don't know you're in like battle mode trying to get that field back in shape and then you're also like oh my gosh you're like worried about if you're going to lose your livelihood and yeah. like everything you worked for at that that moment so it was a, a big learning experience and then it also took a lot for me to really trust after that mm -hmm. and 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 that was something that I was like you know what I have to be able to walk away from this place and and trust that my employees are going to do the best that they can do um, and, and, you know, if, what I, at the worst case scenario, we can always fix it, right. you know, mm -hmm. most yeah. of the time. Yeah. That would have been, it, it would have been hard for me as well to finally get to where I could let go a little bit after something like that would have happened. Yeah. But that was a, that was a tragic story. Uh, funny stories. Um, I mean, dumb, dumb mistakes that everybody makes. Like we were putting the low, we never did logos on the field for Camden Yards, like uh, the side logos, um, advertisements. So we started doing that uh, over the COVID seasons. And it was like the hottest day on earth. It was like 98 degrees and 98% humidity. And I left the, the logo stencil on way too long and it like completely fried the grass. So we had this like nice, beautiful painted stencil and all this dead grass around it. So that was like a whoops type of moment that happened for sure. Yeah. Um, so you hit this question I was going to ask. What did you want to do for a career when you were in high school or when you were younger? But you, you already said that 
and what changed that path. And you kind of answered that earlier, but before you wanted to be in turf, what, like when you were a kid, what did you want to, what did you want to be before? Uh, I knew, well, throughout high school, I always knew that I wanted to study agriculture and I wanted to be a, an agronomist. I knew that I wanted to like work with plants and maybe help farmers maintain their crops or, or help them develop different ways to, um, you know, keep their crops going. So that, that was my main passion. And then when I got into organic chemistry, I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is not for me. I did not do well in organic chemistry and decided to like, you know, sidetrack to a different, different, uh, class yeah. <laughs> major. Yeah. That, that, that ruined my whole Chem hopes and dreams right there. Yeah. Chemistry organic stuff. Chem you, yeah, yeah. Chemistry in general is tough. All right. So <laughs> this is somewhere to the closing questions. They're kind of some fun questions. Um, okay. your proudest accomplishment, professional or personal or both, whichever. Oh my gosh. Why didn't you give me like a rundown on what these questions were going to be? So I could prep my proudest accomplishment. Um, shoot, so many. I uh, can't really pinpoint. Um, damn. Oh man, I'm going to have to like run. <laughs> this is tough. Uh, my proudest accomplishment was probably. Um, damn. So there's so many I can't even think about I mean I have such a long career in this industry like there's well, so name many things one that, that comes name one that comes to mind um making it to the AL East championship and and no not only that but uh playoffs for well oh, my proudest accomplishment I'll say this one and it's and it's it's a really, any groundskeeper can understand this kind of situation. So we made it to the playoffs for the first time in however long, right? And it was against the New York Yankees. It was game one of the, uh, um, the actual play, the, champ, the playoff division series. And there was rain all around the area. And we had rain throughout the whole day. The game was supposed to kick off at seven, but we were in a, a short rain delay. And I had to meet in this office with a whole bunch of brass. I had uh, the Yankees general manager, the Yankees um, full brass, you know, their front office, uh, Joe Girardi, who was the manager of the team. Then we had our manager, our front office brass. And then on the phone was MLB, um, Bud Selig was on the phone who was the commissioner of baseball at that time and everybody in his office trying to decide whether we were going to play this game or not. And I was like looking at the radar map, doing all the, the research behind it. And I was like, we're going to play this game, but nobody believed that we were going to get it in. It was like this crazy, misty, rainy situation. And I was like, this rain will be out of here by like 830. And they were like, oh, you really think so? And I was like, yeah, I really think so. I think it's going to, we had to call three other meteorologists and they were like not given like the firm answer. They were kind of beating around the bush, you know, to protect themselves. Like, oh, you might have rain in the area. So we can't really tell. And I was like, this is going to be out of here by 830. And they, they were like, do you want to talk to Bud Sailing and tell him that? And I was like, sure, give me the phone. And like, that's when I like said, listen, I think this is going to be out of here by 830. There's no other threats in the area. I don't see any other like um, chance that it's going to pop up or rain on us throughout the game. And if it does, you know, we'll be able to play through it or handle it the best that we can. And, and basically I made a, a multi-million dollar decision where everybody in that room was like, just 
unsure to pull the trigger. And I think that was like my most personal proudest accomplishment where yeah, I just that's pretty like, cool. trusted my instincts. And like to say that to like the commissioner of baseball, <laughs> you know, that you're, you're that you, you're, you know, in that room, you're just the groundskeeper, you know, and, and to have that, you know, um, confidence in myself, that was a really great, um, I don't know what, it, like a great uh, moment for me because yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, like I, I, I do know what I'm doing. I do know what I'm looking at. It was another reassurance that like, you know, self-accomplishment. Yes. Yeah. Every manager, every turf sports turf manager that listens to this can understand yeah. exactly how that must've felt for them to, for you to be able to give that opinion and for them to go with it. Right. Right. That's, that's huge. That's, I would say that's the best answer I've had to that question yet. Well, yeah. I don't want to, yeah. I'm not trying to, play favorites i'm just saying that is probably right. a really that is a really awesome answer that's well I, enjoy I, hearing. And I know and like if you like when you're that confident about something and like then you have all these people that are kind of you know they're intimidating you know they have so much high, you know higher you know things on the line than what you do and you're just like you made that big decision it's it sounds like a brag but at, at the end of the day it was like we got that game in um, it was the first time the Orioles welcomed a playoff situation. We had a, the 48,000 people in the stands ready for a game. And, you know, I was like, we're going to look like fools if we don't play this game. <laughs> so I don't know. It was just, it was a really cool accomplishment. Yeah, that's, that's neat. I like that. All right. So if you could have any job position, what would it be inside or outside the industry? Dream job. Um, like, well, my dream job would be to, um, oversee all of our clubs, uh, affiliates as far as grounds, um, you know, helping manage the turf managers and head groundskeepers in all of our affiliates, all of the Dominican league and, and other countries, um, to really develop great playing surfaces for this club's athletes. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. I know you have a favorite quote or phrase. Um, my favorite quote, I would, I don't know what, hmm, keep it real, really, mm -hmm. you know, like be honest about, you know, trust your instincts, keep it real, uh, no fluff, you know, try to read people, see who they are and, and just be yourself around them. I don't know what a good quote or phrase is, but. Oh, that's, that's a perfect answer. If you could pick one meal, what would it be? Spaghetti. spaghetti. Any, anything from a special anything place? Pasta. Special no, place? Okay, no, no. Any spaghetti. Any Thanks. just pasta. I need I, I need to eat pasta at least like three times a week. <laughs> if you wake up tomorrow and you've won the lottery, what's your first thing you do and what's your first non-essential purchase? And we're talking like 200 million here. Oh, 200. First thing I would do, um, I would probably start my own business. Um with that money, I would pay. Well, that well, first thing I would do, I think I would uh, pay off any debts for myself and my parents. That'd be the first thing I would do. And then yeah. the rest of it, I'd buy a house at the beach, buy some great fishing gear and boats, <laughs> start my own business, travel around the world, yeah, everything. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoy uh, the rest of the life, you know? That's right. Well, lastly, what are some words of wisdom that you'd like to share with young and upcoming turf professionals? Oh gosh. Um, that it's going to take some time and some grind, 
And, and if you put in enough effort and you have enough passion in this industry that you can make it anywhere, like without anybody telling you any different, you know, it doesn't matter to have like the, the best degree from the best turf grass state or turf grass degree from, you know, the best school in the nation. Um, if you don't have that degree, you can still make it to, to the highest level achievable um, with some dedication, some pride, some confidence and, and some great work ethic. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I hope that we have a baseball season. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody knows anything, but I hope we have one because I'm excited about baseball because since 1999, I've been waiting to see what I saw this past year. So <laughs> I was yeah. really excited this year. So It um, is exciting. Yeah, it it was, is. I was able to go to game three and game five. So it was, it was, uh, it was special to be there. It was great to see um that it place was great that the city braves, was electric I, can I, tell you. I bet i bet the braves have um our former pitching coach uh is your pitching coach and a couple other people that were with the orioles organization at times have played for the braves for the last few seasons so um really excited to see them make it as far as they did yeah it was it was it's was fun to see it was it wasn't expected for sure but it, yeah uh, we'll take it yeah yeah well i appreciate your time uh work there will be a follow-up i'm sure at some point down the road i'll do another one i'm gonna get up there sometime this summer uh yeah. and come check the check the place out uh my best friend is a huge fan of your work and has been a, has been there three or four times he loves that place oh so, that's uh, awesome yeah so uh he called me a little while ago and i texted i said i'm i'm doing a podcast with with nicole sherry and he was like, oh, tell her, tell her that I like her stuff. So I said, I'll tell her. So, so. Yeah, it's really fun. If you guys make it up, please let me know. And I'll, yeah. I'll try to take care of you the best I can. Yeah, Hopefully we'll things open up that we can get back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And, and everything. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate your time. It's been awesome. Uh, this is going to be the first sports turf podcast of the year for the dirt on turf so this is an awesome way to kick off the year nice yeah well i appreciate it. it thank yeah. you yeah yep well take care and we'll be in touch awesome benchmark tool and supply was founded over 15 years ago and have established themselves as experts in the gps construction industry ever since they're excited to bring their expertise into the sports turf management and landscaping world. Their recent partnership with ABI has allowed them to bring that knowledge into an industry that has seen the rapid adoption of GPS and automation technology. The ABI Force Z23 is an all-in-one field groomer and landscaper's dream tool. The ability to bring laser precision to ball field grading is changing the way the game is played at every level. When it comes time to step up your turf maintenance and line marking, turn to the GPS pros who have years of experience helping experts get the job done right the first time. Call Benchmark Tool and Supply today at 866-342-7665.
Well, that's it for today's episode. Again, I'm your host, Chris Toppings, with the Dirt on Turf podcast. And before we leave you, let me remind you about netting professionals. It doesn't matter what kind of netting you need, whether it's for a batting cage, a dugout, driving range, backstops, check out netting professionals. Go to their website, www.nettingpros.com, or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out with these people. Give them a call. Let them give you a price. They'll take care of you. Until next week, I'm Chris Toppings. We'll see you then. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Dirt Turf Podcast.